What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the MLB Takeover Podcast, brought to you by the Takeover Podcast Network. Alongside Matt Danielek, I am Chris LaValle, and we have an exciting show for you all. Matt, what can we expect this week? That's right, Chris. We are going to be talking headlines, MLB free agents. Did you like my Did you like my radio voice? Was that Vin Scully? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be talking headlines here. We're going to talk about Carlos Correa and Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson and all the way down the list through all the major MLB free agency signings and trades. We are definitely going to have a disagreement about the L.A. Dodgers and what this Freddie Freeman signing means for baseball as a whole. And in our first name basis segment this week, we're going to talk about our own team, something a little close to our heart, something that we can share with all of you because at the bottom of all of the analysis and all of the work and the prep that we do, we're just fans of the game. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're going to kick it off with headlines. Uh, I think we're going to start with Carlos Correa because we have a certain order we want to we want to hit these here. So we'll start with Carlos Correa, who was the most recently signed coveted free agent. As he signed with the Twins, he was the shortstop from the Astros, for those who don't know. He just signed a three-year, $105.3 million contract, which would – net him annually about $35.1 million per year. Do you like the signing? I hate the signing. Um, the Twins are not a star shortstop away from being a contender, first of all. This is a move that you make. The, here's the reality. The least valuable position, it seems, in baseball right now at this point is shortstop. because. You just like the fact that Carlos Correa is a star shortstop and he hit 279 with 26 homers and 92 RBIs last year. Like, great. Those are great numbers. Those are great numbers. But, like, I don't know. Are they pick any left fielder? <laughs> pick any, you know, pick any third baseman. Is it close? Is it comparable is it when you're comparing? And I just, I just don't think that Carlos Correa as talented as he is and we've seen him be much though I dislike everything about the Houston Astros agreed I don't think he deserves 35 million a year because I don't think he puts you anywhere near over the like Bryce Harper much as that guy's been up and down Bryce Harper's got the talent of a player who deserves to be paid 35 million dollars Carlos Correa I don't know could you could you go out and and get somebody like I don't know, like the Sox start Kiki Hernandez in basically like six different positions on the field. I mean, we have Xander Bogarts, right? Xander Bogarts doesn't make $35 million. I think Xander Bogarts better than Carlos Correa. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the money's a little crazy. I also don't understand why if you're Correa, you go to the Twins. I mean, you've, you've been on the Astros for your career. You've been to World Series. You've been competitive every single year in the postseason. Why would you... Unless it is about money for him, which is fine. If he wants to get his money, go get your money, bud. Yeah. But why you would just completely drop off as far as the competitive, your competitive fervor, I guess, is lacking if you're going to go to Minnesota. Because Minnesota, you're right, is not a shortstop away from being a, a postseason contender. Um, you know, the, the Yankees were rumored to get him. Thank God they didn't do that. Uh, I, I forgot there was another team in the – I think the – was it the Blue Jays or the Rays? One of the, the other two – AL East teams, not the Red Sox, were looking to go after him as well, which would have made more sense. And as far as I'm concerned, if I was Correa, I would have wanted to go to one of those two teams, not the Twins. But yeah, again, it could have just come down to finances for him, and he just wants to get paid. It might just be purely money. Nobody wants to live in Minnesota, number one. No. Nobody. nobody nobody's like, you know where I really want to go? <laughs> Minneapolis, baby. Let's go. Um, you know, and I just think, He's already a, you know, 
he's already accomplished pretty much anything that you could hope to accomplish, I guess, other than maybe winning an MVP. But I don't know that he's ever going to put up the numbers that that's going to happen. And maybe it's surely, maybe you're right. Maybe it's purely about getting the bag of dough, and that was the highest bidder, and that was it. I'd be curious to see. I wish it was like, I wish it was like uh, an open market thing where you could see what everybody bid, <laughs> like what were all the offers. Right. Yeah. Well, and then and then you, yeah, I, that would actually clear up a lot of things when you're when you're trying to figure out why certain players go in the direction that they choose to. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of times, more times than not, it always comes back to money. What are you going to get paid? So Matt Olson was the guy who pretty much lit a fire on free agency here for Major League Baseball. And that was when the Braves decided that they weren't going to resign Freddie Freeman, which we'll touch on in a second. And they decided to go with Matt Olson. Olson signs an eight-year, $168 million contract. He makes $15 million in 2022 and then $21 million for the rest of, of um, the contract. And he has a club option in 2030 for $20 million. So I, 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 so I did a little deep dive into the Olsen versus Freeman thing as we look at – because I, I still can – I was shocked. I was actually shocked that the Braves didn't pull the trigger and, and keep Freeman. So I wanted to take a look at their numbers. And they're pretty comparable. They, yeah. They, they really are. And, and what the Braves are getting – is they're getting a guy who's five years younger. So Olsen is a one-time All-Star. He's got two gold gloves. He's a lifetime 252 hitter. And last season, he batted 271. He had 39 home runs and 111 RBIs. Freeman's a five-time All-Star. He's a MVP. He's a World Series champion. He's a lifetime 295 hitter. And last season, he batted 300 for 31 home runs and 83 RBIs. So... I don't hate – the more I dug into the numbers and the more I looked at Olsen's career as opposed to Freeman's career, I don't hate the move as much as I thought I did. I hate it culturally. Like for a culture fit, for a locker room guy, I don't think you get much better than Freddie Freeman. I, I, I just don't. The guy was beloved both by his teammates and the city of Atlanta. But if we're just going purely on-the-field talent, I don't hate the move. I think you also have to consider that – Freddie Freeman, aside from just being a superstar human being, is a superstar in a city that hasn't really had anything to cheer for in a long time in Atlanta. You know, it's not as if, I mean, when was the last time, I mean, the the, the Matt Ryan, Kyle Shanahan collapse in the Super Bowl, you know, was probably the last semi-good thing that almost happened to them, but other than that, it's not like they're winning any NBA championships anytime soon. It's not like they're winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. It's not – Freddie Freeman isn't just a baseball player in Atlanta. Freddie Freeman is a, a part of the city. He's, uh, you know, the guy that, that brought them, you know, that glory, finally. And I think it's cold and calculated to just cut him loose. In particular – because it's not as if they were like waiting to figure out what happened. Like maybe we can resign Freddie. It was, uh, we're just going to replace you now. You do what you want to do. Don't even, you know, don't even worry about us over here. Look, yes, the numbers are comparable, but Matt Olson is not the same player that Freddie Freeman is. And you can talk yourself into him being younger, but that almost doesn't matter with first baseman because like it doesn't like he was Freddie Freeman's not going to drop off a cliff when he turns 35 you know he's not a shortstop he's not going to be Jeter where he can't move three feet left and right anymore he's going to stand there on the bag and he's going to you know crack home runs when he needs to the the move sets the Braves back you're right on the cultural side of things but also I think on the baseball side of things I don't think that the numbers fully appreciate how good Freddie Freeman is. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I, you know, and let's actually, let's just get right into that elephant in the room, which is Freeman, who chose to go to Matt's favorite team, the Los Angeles Dodgers, signed a six-year, $162 million contract, which will net him annually about $27 million a year. Now, what I read was the reason why Freeman was so ticked with the Braves was he wanted that six-year that he wanted that extra year. Why it was six, I have no idea. 
but apparently he wanted that six year. The Braves said, no, we're not giving you a six year contract. The Dodgers did. And that's, I guess, ultimately what made Ol- them obviously taking Olsen drove him into the Dodgers arms too. But the, I guess in, in negotiations, he just couldn't get that, that extra year and the Dodgers were pretty much willing to give him whatever the hell he wanted, I guess. And so he wanted the six years. The Dodgers. And the Dodgers gave it to him. So I, Look, I, baseball and just a pure. It makes sense for Freeman to go home. You know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna debate this in a second, but it makes I think it makes sense for him. If he wasn't gonna go to Atlanta, it made sense for him to go home to Los Angeles and play in front of his home crowd. It that to me makes most sense in the world. It made more sense than him going to the Yankees. It made more sense than him going to Toronto. If you if you want to go play somewhere, you should want to go play in front of your home your hometown fans. Sure. I can appreciate that. But that is like saying, that's like praising LeBron James for going back to Cleveland to win a championship for his hometown. Yes, it is. I'm sorry. The infrastructure for pure dominance is already there. You are going there to an absolutely stacked lineup. One unlike anything I've seen in my lifetime, not not even the Yankees of old could boast gross spending like this Dodgers franchise over the last few seasons. And every time I think that their gluttony can't possibly get any worse, they add more and more and more and more to their plate. Okay. So we're just going to go right into the debate here, which is, which is we fine. might as well throw out the structure. Here okay. we go. Okay. That's fine. So your so you're are you mad at Freeman because he chose to go to the Dodgers because the you like do you think he 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 like kind of sucked out here and went to a loaded team because 100%. in my percent. Oh come on, man. He want he clearly wanted to be with the Braves. He said it. Like he said, if they had given me six years, I'd be a Brave. They weren't willing to do it. And then they turned around and signed Olsen. What else is he supposed to do? Not go to the Dodgers. <laughs> It's, but it's his team, Kevin Durant man. leaving the Oklahoma City Thunder and going to play for the Warriors, who had just won the NBA championship, is one of the biggest marshmallow powder puff moves we've ever seen in sports. And that is exactly what Freddie Freeman just did. And I understand that the Braves are idiots for not locking this guy up. Let's start there. It's not Freddie Freeman's fault that the Atlanta Braves are morons. The but. but the Dodgers just lost to the Braves, Freddie Freeman's Braves, last year in the NLCS. It's not. It's not comparable. It's not comparable to the Warriors. But it's not comparable to to Kevin Durant going to the Warriors because the Warriors kicked the crap out of Kevin Durant the year prior in the Western Conference Finals. Right. So it's worse. So no, it's, it's worse. better. You're going to a team that you already beat. You can only make that team better. Hey, Freddie, we can't beat you. Why don't you come join us? Can you imagine? Like, okay. Sure. Can you imagine playing like youth baseball and your team, your team goes to like the semifinals and your best player the next season is on the team that you beat to go to the championship the year before? Right. And if and if my team that I'm playing for, if my team that I was playing for trashed me after I won them the championship. And these other guys are like, hey, we love you. We're going to treat you right. I'd be like, okay, I'll go I'll go play with you. And now I have a vendetta against the team that I just won a championship with. Because okay, you guys screwed me. there's 28 other options. <laughs> there's so many other places you could go. There's Wait, so many other places you could go. You don't have to go to the L.A. Dodgers. And don't sell me this hometown crowd BS. Because you spend so much time on the road in baseball, it oh, almost stop. doesn't matter. It's the it, L.A. Dodgers. There's no like hometown fans of the right. L.A. Dodgers. It's a bunch of a bunch of puffed up people that are hanging around L.A. and like, hey, you know what would be cool? Hey, we're all in L.A. Let's go to a Dodger game. It's not like New York. It's not. They're not Mets fans. Okay, they're not Fenway faithful. They're not Yankees fans. This is, we're talking about Dodgers fans. This is not the same thing as like superior East Coast. I am going to die with this team fanhood. You sound a little bitter that you didn't go to Boston. That, that's it's not I, even I that. I feel that a little bit. Even though that. Boston would have been a perfect fit. Oh, for here Freeman. we go. 
He's, yeah, okay. <laughs> look, the Red Sox are a Freddie Freeman away from contending for a World Series. But that is irrelevant in this conversation because I know that was just me being biased and wanting Freddie Freeman to come to my team. The bigger picture thing here is not about Freddie Freeman and it's not about the Atlanta Braves. It's about the Dodgers and it's about what the Dodgers are allowed to do under baseball's collective bargaining agreement. And this mm-hmm. is the problem that I have. Okay. We he have a comp- the- No, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I thought you were done. Keep going. No, I'm sorry. I, that was just the setup. <laughs> okay. Keep deliver <laughs> your pitch. I'm sorry. We just did our very first episode of this podcast about the CBA. Right. All of the ins and outs, all the things that were talked about, the increase in the competitive balance tax, which is supposed to make it so that teams are encouraged to spend money, right? But if you're spending too much money, you are financially penalized in hopes of creating a better balance. What that does not prevent and what is prevented in other sports like basketball and football is a team just saying, we make more money than God every year. We don't care how much you tax us. We don't care. We're going to go sign every top player in the entire league. How long is it before Aaron Judge is an L.A. Dodger? How long is it? I mean, they already got Mookie because the Sox are idiots, right? They already have, uh, you know, they already have one of the best third basemen in baseball and Justin Turner. What else do they, when does it end? At what point is it ruining baseball? It's not. It's not ruining baseball. It's not ruining baseball at all. Just because what? Because the Red Sox are too cheap to sign Mookie. Now you're going to get mad at the Dodgers because they're willing to take the hit? It's not one player I'm talking about. The Dodgers have been, have done this to a level. that but, If it's a couple of guys, sure, I get it. Of course, you want to go make some big signings. Okay. Right? So You want to go pay some dudes. I have a question for you. Yeah. Now that you're on your, you're on your rant about the Dodgers, do you know who has the highest payroll in baseball in this season? And it's just been updated. I haven't looked at the updated numbers. The Mets. The Mets have the highest payroll in baseball at two hundred thirty-five point six million. Yeah, that's so the, the Mets, Do- though. But the Dodgers aren't even tops, though. That's my point. Is you're getting you're angry at, at the Dodgers and the fact that the Dodgers have created a unbelievable all-star team. Yeah, but they're second in payroll at two hundred fourteen point five million. Okay, they're, we're comparing them to the New York Mets, who are the dumbest almost, franchise in the whole sport. But they're almost twenty million less than the team that's in first. And the Yankees are only three million behind them at two hundred and eleven. The Red Sox are seventh on this list. I totally understand. And there's always been several teams at the top of the spending list, right? It's never just one team that's egregious. It's usually the Sox and the Yankees and then the Dodgers the last two years have been way up there. I'm saying it's the egregious, just flat out, hey, all the best players, we're just coming for you right now. There's no, like, you know, like Xander Bogarts, I've watched that kid since he was in AAA. I know, I remember when Xander came up. I remember watching him at the plate his rookie season and that feeling of like, oh, my God, we groomed this guy. He's going to be a star, right? Yeah, I remember feeling that with Pedroia. I remember feeling, you know, like there's just something about there's something about actually building something instead of just going out and buying it. The L.A. Dodgers are the most L.A. cultural thing like there could be. You're like, I want that Ferrari. I'm going to go buy it. Nope. You know what? The Ferrari's old news. Now I want the new Range Rover. I'm going to go buy it. You know what? I could build this myself. I could make it myself, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go buy it. You know what? I don't like the way my nose looks. I'm going to go get some plastic surgery. I'm going to go buy it. All right. That is the LA Dodgers. It's an impurity. So you're and that's the problem I have with it. Okay. So then what do you want to see different though? Because I don't have a problem again with if play, but what if players just want to go and play in LA? What if that's actually a thing again? Where like it used to be, players wanted to go to New York because it was New York. You know, whether it was the Knicks or the Yankees, you want to go to the Big Apple because that's where you can make all your money, all your branding dollars. Los Angeles is the same type of thing. You want to go to LA a because of the weather, b because of the marketing ability that it gives you off the field, and a plus is if the team is awesome, you're going to get even more exposure than you would if you were on. A lesser team. So, 
what do you want to see different? Like, how, how do you how do you fix this then? I think part of the solution is that you they need to bite the bullet and commit to a hard salary cap. I think that that's the only way because it shouldn't just it's not it's obviously not just a Dodgers problem. This has obviously happened in other ways with other teams in the past. The Red Sox have been guilty of it before also. Um but I've never seen anything quite like this. I've never seen it's just like year after year like all right, who's the who's the MVP? Okay, we're going to go get that guy now. How many MVPs can you put on one team? As many as you can afford. Is that good for the sport? I think it's here's here's why I'm okay with it. Because there's too many teams that choose not to spend the money and they just constantly sit in the basement of the league and they don't have a problem with it. So if I have if you have teams like Oakland, Pittsburgh, um, what the hell was the other team that they that I read about? Uh, I can't think of it. But that Arizona that isn't willing to put put their money where their mouth is. They're just sitting back going, eh, well, you know, we'll just sit here in the ceiling. We'll pay what we have to pay. Maybe we'll, we'll have one superstar on our roster just to get ticket sales up. But outside of that, we don't care if we go 500 for the next 10 years. It's no big deal. Whereas you have other teams like the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Cardinals, the Red Sox, and others that are willing to spend the money, that are willing to take the salary, the, the, to take the tax hit if they have to, in order to be competitive, in order to win championships. So I think if you want to set a salary cap, which I'm I'm willing to talk about, then you have to hit a minimum threshold too, though. There has to be a minimum salary cap too, because just you got to cap it both ways. Yes. So this way, if you really do want to see more competition or, or a more competitive sport, you got to be kind of like the NFL, where it's parody every single year. Like if you want to create that type of, unless you're the New England Patriots. But outside of that, it's pretty much parody every yeah, that, single year in the NFL. The Patriots dynasty was never because of spending. It was because of the individual greatness of Brady and the schematic greatness of Belichick. Right. You, know, you could have that in baseball. You could have a legendary manager and a great, you know, your centerpiece, your, you know, third baseman, center fielder, whoever, your best player. Well, and you they did. They were together. called the New York Yankees and Joe Torre and Derek Jeter. But, you uh, did have that. You're right. Yeah. You're not wrong. I'm not going to argue with you about that. That's absolutely accurate. Appreciate that. I, I'll give you that one. Well, look, so that's what I was going to say is there has to also be a salary floor. There has to be a level that teams have to spend to, right? You're not allowed to just save money and live off of the disbursement of revenue that happens in baseball because you're Oakland or whoever. You know, it's that's the other half of it. It's just as egregious. The lack of a desire to spend money is just as egregious as the Dodgers going out there and just signing literally everybody that they want. Look at that. We came together. You and I never come together in debates. That was actually pretty well done. I'm proud of us. That was full us. circle. That was full circle. I'm, I'm proud of us. All right. You know who spent some money? Hold on real quick. Let's yeah, go get ahead. back into this free agency thing. Okay. Jorge Soler to the Marlins? When was yeah. the last time the Marlins signed a free agent that, that was good? Uh, not pre Derek Jeter, that's for it's, sure. So it's I guess been a while. I guess post Derek Jeter, then I'm going to start making. Then I'm going to start making moves. Uh, so speaking of the other free agents, that's what we wanted to hit up. We wanted we wanted to get into the other news and notes around the league. So Kyle Schwarber signed with the Phillies four year average annual value of just under twenty million per year. Uh, you like that move? Yes or no? Um, I'm lukewarm on it. Uh, Schwarber was okay uh, in Boston when he got there last year, and. I, Look, he's got a good bat. There's no doubt about that. The problem is he's basically only a DH. Um, so if that's how you intend to use him, now that we've got universal DH, awesome. Good for the Phillies. Um, I think you'll find that the, you know, last year I downloaded the um, the MLB app and I bought the radio subscription so I could listen to all the games. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to a Sox game with Joe, <laughs> He would always he, he makes he's a great home announcer, but if you listen to a Sox game with the other announcer, <laughs> they'll be honest about your players. <laughs> and nobody spoke particularly highly of Kyle Schwarber the last year. You know, like he had some he had some clutch moments as we got into the playoffs, no doubt, and the mm -hmm. talent's there. 
but he can't play in the field a lick. So if you have another big bat, you know, there's just no other option for you. Right. Yeah, you, so, you are kind of you are kind of tied to him strictly being your DH. Would I would I rather have had Jorge Soler? Would I rather have had, you know, Nick Castellanos? Like, yes. Right, but that Phillies lineup though, adding Schwarber doesn't hurt, only helps. They've got yeah. one of the best lineups in the National League now. So. We'll see if they can do something with it this year. True. Uh, another big move was Matt Chapman being traded from Oakland to Toronto. You want to talk about a massive get and a huge lineup is, is Toronto's lineup. So Oakland got pitchers Gunnar Hugland, I believe is how you say his name, Zach Logue, and Kirby Sneed, uh, along with infielder Kevin Smith. Now Chapman is a lifetime 243 hitter. Uh, he averages roughly 22 home runs a year. Uh, his last Last year, he does strike out a ton, though. Last year, he struck out 202 times. He's a three-time gold glove. Uh, he's an excellent defensive player, and he's an all-star. I just I can't get over how loaded Toronto's lineup continues to be. It was loaded last year, and now the, adding Chapman, I think, just gives them an extra layer, not just offensively, but defensively now. Uh, Toronto is going to be in the mix again this year and could potentially even win the AL East. The AL East is going to be a bloodbath this year, and I'm not looking forward to it because so far Boston has done nothing to improve their roster, which we'll talk about later. But <laughs> look, the the thing with Chapman is it, this almost this kind of brings us back to what we were just talking about. Oakland just traded their two corner infielders, their two probably best offensive players. Right. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, they're just. What are They're, you doing? I, I don't understand. And the thing is, I always root for Oakland because I like. Oakland. I know you do. I always root for Oakland. They're, the, they're like my little dark horse team that I always root for, just because they're so gritty. And I, I loved those play, both those players, both Chapman and Olson. I loved them. Um, but now I'm, I'm sitting back, just like you, and I'm going, okay. So you made those moves. Are, are you just you just don't want to be competitive this year? Is that you've just decided you're going to be last in the West and and that's just the way it's going to be? I mean, yeah. do you, unless you have some unbelievable farm system, which Oakland has proven to have over the years, but I I don't I just I don't understand what they're thinking. And again, it comes back to what we were just talking about about having that salary floor. Like you guys are clearly just unloading money, but what do you why? What's the what's the get for you? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, and it's it's great for Toronto, who honestly, it's unfortunate that the AL East is the way that it is right now because Toronto was a lot of fun last year, and there was a big part of me that wanted them to make a wild card last year. You know, I I definitely, they've assembled a roster. I mean, they've got their own young guys. They've got Biggio, and they've got Vlad, you know, and then they've brought in Marcus Semien, and, and they've got these guys. Like, their infield is incredible. Um, you know, they're, they improved their pitching. They added some arms last year. And I think, I think they have a real chance if the, if the socks drop off, I mean, we'll see what happens with the Yankees. I mean, Tampa's always there, but there's always that third spot. I mean, there's going to be three AL East playoff teams again this year. Like it's almost a guarantee. Yeah. It's just a matter of figuring out which one it's going to be. And, but, uh, but Toronto's got every, every shot to make a serious run with, with this lineup. And I mean, that's, you can't, my question is, where do you play him? Is he the DH now? Is Vlad the DH now? Cause Vlad was playing third last year. Quite I was good. thinking you would move Vlad to DH just because I think Chapman's the better defensive player, but yeah, that makes I mean, sense. That makes the most sense. The, uh, and then two more signings for you. And then we'll get to first name basis. Uh, Kershaw resigned with the Dodgers for one year, 17 million, which I was happy to see. I think Kershaw should retire a Dodger. Yeah. Um, although his production obviously has gone down in recent years, he's still he's the face of that franchise. Uh, and least, then Nelson, at least the Dodgers still have a soul. <laughs> and then Nelson Cruz signed with the Nationals on a one-year, fifteen million dollar deal. The forty-one-year-old would be one hell of a bat and great support for Juan Soto. So the Nationals are still going to be hanging around. I don't know if they're going to do any damage this year, but their lineup isn't anything to, to trifle with. That's for sure. 74-year-old. Dude can still Nelson hit, man. Nelson Cruz. He can still hit. I, he can I still give him, hit. I give him props for that. 
He's like Bartolo Colon. The dude just kind of just hangs around. He's oh, just, just, just going to hang around away. forever. I love Bartolo Colon. Look, all right. So let's get let's move right into first name basis. I'm going to let you go first because I'm kind, and you can talk about your Red Sox, and then I'm going to go off on Brian Cashman. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear this. I, you know what? Here's the reality. Another season where Chris Sale, Chris Sale's health is in question, and Evaldi's going to start game one, opening day. Look, he proved himself last year. Evaldi was much man. better last year. But prior to that, Every single time somebody told me Evaldi was going to be good, I was like, no, nope, nope, hasn't happened once yet. I know he's got the velocity. I know he's added the slider. I know he's getting better. He's not that guy. He's not an ace. He's not. And last year he kind of was. If he can continue that play, if that wasn't just a one-off, if that's really who Evaldi is now, and Sale can come back healthy. How you fracture a rib in the offseason when we're not even allowed to be at the practice facility and play baseball, I don't know. But Chris Sale did it. You had some theories that are not appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> it's very frustrating. I really would like to see Chris Sale back and healthy. Look, I know he's never going to be Chris Sale. I know he's never going to be World Series Chris Sale. I know that. But you know what? We got good we got good quality starts out of Martin Perez for an entire season. Can Chris Sale be a better five inning starter than Martin Perez? I think so. I think so. So if we can get that, Tanner Houck has to be every bit as good as he looked last year. This Red Sox team can can win the ALEs. They can. It's there. No one's run away with it. No one's run away with it at this point. They still have Devers. They still have J.D. Martinez. They still have Xander Bogarts. Kiki Hernandez is an excellent utility infield outfield guy. You know, uh, I, Christian Vasquez had a nice bounce back year last year. You have to imagine that Bobby Dalbeck is going to get better at first base. I really wish, I really wish we would have addressed first base. I really wish we would have been the ones to go get Matt Olson. I really wish we would have been the ones to go get Freddie Freeman, but it just didn't happen that way. I wanted Rizzo last year. Didn't happen that way. I don't know if it's because we couldn't, which I doubt, because a franchise like the Red Sox, what can't you do? You know what I mean? If you're right. really motivated to go get somebody, you just throw the right dollar amount at them, like the Dodgers. They must really believe in Bobby Dalbeck. And I like the kid. I'm just not sure he's an everyday first baseman. We haven't replaced Schwarber's bat. I'm not really sure that we have the firepower, but I do think that the pitching is going to be better this year. And I am almost certain that they're going to move Garrett Whitlock to the full-time closer because he's the best reliever we've got by a mile. Yeah. This sucks. This, yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah, you for that, by the way. That's very thank true. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. Yankees nation. Thank you for Garrett Whitlock. I can never repay you. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first decent reliever we've had since freaking Kimbrel. I don't, I don't care about Matt Barnes. All right, so the Yankees made some moves this offseason. The Yankees acquired third baseman Josh Donaldson, old man Donaldson, who's owed $21 million in the next two seasons. We also got shortstop Isaiah Keener Falifa. I believe is how you say his last name. I call him Falafel because I can never figure out how to say his name. That works, too. We'll call him Falafel for the podcast. The Twins got uh, the worst catcher in baseball, Gary Sanchez, along with Gio Urshela, who I actually liked. Um, I, I, I appreciated uh, the, the kid's resilience uh, over the last couple of years. I'm not I'm not pleased with the Donaldson thing. I just He's too damn old. He's 36 years old. But I do like Falafel. I think he's got – he's a young talent. He's only 26. He's a gold glove. He's fast as hell. The kids stole 28 bases last season, 271 average, eight home runs, 53 RBIs, which is pretty much all you need from a shortstop. As long as the dude's batting over 250, I'm I'm fine with him, especially because, again, he's a great defensive player and the kid is fast. We also re-signed Anthony Rizzo, two years, $32 million, which I'm fine with. Last year with the 49 games with the Yankees, he batted 249. He had eight home runs and 21 RBIs. Not the best numbers in the world, but I'll, I'll live with it. I 
I mean, he's a great defensive player. And I think that that, I think the fact that he's going to have a full season in New York this year, I think his numbers will, will be pretty damn, pretty damn good. Uh, I mean, he was batting around 280 when he got traded. So I, I think, you know, it's the pressure of playing in New York, I think can affect people. Here's my issue with, with, with the great, the great GM that is Brian Cashman. Please we don't tell need, us. we do not need any more bats. We have Garrett Cole in lawn furniture as our starting pitching. We have nothing, absolutely nothing to put out there every single week. And yet Cashman just sits back and goes, oh, let's get another outfielder. Oh, hey, this guy's got a good bat. Let's bring him onto the lineup. We have like 90 outfielders. We have bats galore. We don't need to hit any more home runs. We need to be able to get past the fourth inning with a starting pitcher. That's what we need. We have a great middle relief setup, thank God. But they're all going to get burned out by the All-Star break because they're going to have to be pitching in the fifth inning outside of Garrett Cole starts. And God forbid Garrett Cole gets injured or something happens to him because if, if that takes place, we're going to be sitting down hanging out with the Orioles for the entire season. It's just – it blows my mind, the incompetence of this moron. The fact that he's still there makes no sense. Here's what the Yankees need to do. They need to call up Jeter and say, hey, man, why don't you come back to the front office of the Yankees and help us actually do something smart? I'm not saying make him the GM, but I'm saying bring him in. Pull him back. He left the Marlins. Bring him into New York. The guy is smart. Anybody at this point is smarter than Brian Cashman. My 15-month-old could do a better job evaluating pitching than Brian Cashman. Okay, I'm done. Can I just tell you how satisfying it is? After all this time, it still warms my heart to to know that Yankees fans are this stressed out about their current situation. And can I just say that you left out that Garrett Cole might not even be a Cy Young pitcher anymore now that he's not allowed to use pine tar. <laughs> if I could just add that on to the very end. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> just just you know a little more salt in that wound. Do you believe that Jeter, even in a consultant role, would be helpful? Because I'm not so sure that he did anything positive for the Marlins while he was there. So it depends on what stories you read. All right. So, like, I've heard, I've read a bunch. And there's the pro-Jeter side. There's the anti-Jeter side. The pro-Jeter side is that Jeter was really trying to build up the farm system. Um, and he was, that's what he was looking to do, was build up the farm system, kind of do what he, I mean, he got brought up in the farm system with the Yankees. The Yankees in the 90s, the, the secret thing about the Yankees in the late 90s and early 2000s, before they started buying everybody yes. to win more championships, a lot of it was homegrown talent. A lot of the reasons why they won in the in the in those 90s, a lot of it had to do with their pitching staff um, being the homegrown talent. But Jeter got brought up. Bernie Williams was brought up through the, through the ranks. I mean, there were a lot of players that got brought up through the ranks that were superstars. Mo was brought up through the ranks. Like it just, that's what the Yankees were known for. I think, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, Same thing with Alfonso Soriano was brought up through the ranks. Like these were all players that came up through the farm system. And then all of a sudden, after we lost to the Diamondbacks, Steinbrenner like lost his mind. It was like, Oh, we have to buy championships and we're just going to trade away our farm system to everybody in order to bring in all of these older aging superstars. And we gutted our farm system for pretty much from the mid to late 2000s up until a couple years ago, we had nothing to bring up. We were it's a miracle we were, you got judged. Right. We were desperate, desperate for, for young talent. And I think that if anything else, if as, as far as I'm concerned with Jeter, I feel like him as a consultant of at least evaluating young talent, I think that could work for us. If nothing else, just to try and find some pitching, man. That's all I care about at this point. I don't, which is why I sat back and went, great, we could get Freddie Freeman. Would Freddie Freeman be awesome in New York? Sure. Do we need him? No, we don't. We don't need bats. We desperately, desperately need pitching. And all I've been sitting back here forever saying, you know what? As much as I love Aaron Judge, and I do love Aaron Judge, if we could trade Aaron Judge and get one star pitcher, I would do that in a second. Do that in a, because we don't need Judge. We don't need Stan. We have so many bats. We have just riches beyond riches of offensive talent on this team. But we can't get more than one one great starting pitcher. 
And our bullpen's not that great either. I mean, our middle relief's fine, but our relieving, eh, it's not so great either. Well, you don't have a closer. No, we don't. Chad is- Green literally shits his pants if he comes in in the ninth <laughs> inning. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. It was my turn to break the rule. It's true. It's true. He does. He does. Uh, so, I mean, there's just – I just I don't understand. I don't get the 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 Cashman thing. And what drives me nuts more than anything else is Yankee Twitter. Oh, is it's brutal, awful. They all just want. They don't even consider pitching. It's like no, no we need more offense. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, yeah. how do you watch the Yankees and sit there and go, you know what we need? We need to hit more home runs. We it's, don't it's, hit enough. It's we the perfect application of the Kylo Ren meme. More. <laughs> it's like you know it's great we can we can have the highest offense in base or the best offense in baseball as soon as we hit october we're gonna lose in the first round because someone's we're gonna get shelled we you can only score seven to eight runs a game for so long before the bats cool off and once yep. the bats cool off we've got nothing absolutely nothing i think that's where here's the, i think that's where both of our teams the Sox are kind of in between the model that the Rays have set up where they have so many different ways that they can play. They have speed, they have power, they have starting pitching that can go deep into a game, but they also have a bullpen they could go to after one inning and pitch it the entire game so that they can slow play you and keep giving you different looks. If you have batters that are better, you know, if you have batters that are better the second and third time through the lineup, like if you have one of those lineups that just absolutely annihilates pitchers the, the, the second, third time they see them, the Rays can make sure that never happens. They have the lineup flexibility to do that. They might not have the most talented roster, but they have the most diverse and complex roster. The Red Sox did do that a little bit better last year, but our lack of middle relievers is just doesn't allow us to do it completely. The Yankees have none of that. The Yankees are the most rigid team in the AL. Like, this is who we are. That's it. You have one way to play. Yeah, and it's smash the ball. And pray, again, pray that our starters can get past the fifth inning. And that's it. I mean, there, there were, we had bouts last year. I mean, our team was a roller coaster last year. Mm-hmm. And when our bats were cold, we didn't win. Like, there, we just did not win because our starters were giving up. And av- aside from Cole, our starters were giving up three, four, five runs a game. Well, if we can't hit the ball – I mean, we just we have nothing. We literally have nothing. And you you actually hit the nail on the head. We do. We have our team is so damn stubborn and so rigid of it's home runs or nothing. Well, that's fine if you're the Reds or if you're the you know I, I don't even know some other obscure team you want to come up with the, the the Indians at this point. You just want to smash home runs and be on Sports Center. Great, good for you. Mm-hmm. That's not New York baseball. That's just it doesn't. It's never been that way. Never been that way. I mean, again, I go back to when Steinbrenner was bringing in Gary Sheffield. And, oh, God, who else did he go? I mean, a bunch of, bunch of like, massive home uh, – the um, Giambi. You bring in Giambi. Yeah. You bring in all of these guys who could smash home runs, which was great. But then you brought in stupid pitchers like Kevin Brown who punches lockers when he gets upset and breaks his hand right before the postseason. And – other pitchers as well that just they that just couldn't they couldn't measure up they never did but at this point i would take one of those pitchers because at least you're showing that you're trying to improve a pitching staff yeah i will take anything at this point to show that you actually know what you're doing and brian cashman as far as i'm concerned over the last five to six years has not done anything to help the yankees win a world series nothing he's made the safe play or the just the same play with different players over the last, again, almost decade at, at this point. I want to do a quick exercise with you before we get out of here. <clears throat> What's up? To pig or piggyback on this, I want to talk. I want to re, I want to tell you the pitchers who have signed in free agency that did not sign with the Yankees. <laughs> okay. 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 Thank My, you. Keep Michael. Michael Pineda. Uh huh. Michael Pineda, who you know as long as he's not getting caught cheating, is pretty good. Signed with the Detroit Tigers. Okay? So the Yankees definitely could have gotten him. Zach Greinke, signed with the Kansas City Royals. No one cares about Kansas City. Yeah, but that's where he started out. I think that's where he wants to end his career. It is where he started out, but don't you think he would have put on pinstripes if the Yankees came calling? He did put on pinstripes, and it was a disaster. 
again, I mean, I don't know. Second time's the charm. Yes, he, he did. He was terrible. In, in he couldn't Detroit. handle New York pressure, I don't think. Which is fine, but, you know, I don't know. Would I take him right now? Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. Even if it's a disaster. He could be a disaster, but I would take him. Even if it's a total disaster, it still seems like it would be better than what we've got so far. And Yusai Kikuchi, um, who I'm scrolling to figure out, to look at his contract right now, but I was looking at it earlier, and I was like, he's it. Blue Jays. No, God. Okay. Right? Yeah. Right? Like, his numbers don't look great from last year, but... I haven't watched him a bunch and, and obviously, you know, followed a bunch of Sox Blue Jays games. I can tell you, he's pretty good. He, he'll he get shelled once in a while. That's his major problem because he's not a, a velocity pitcher. He, he's really dependent upon location. But there's just no excuse. No excuse to add no one is kind right. of my point. Yeah, no, I mean, there, that's my that's my issue is every year is I sit back and I go, okay. Who are the pitchers that are available? And I look and I say, okay, that one's pretty good. That one's not bad. That would be great if we could get him. We probably won't get him. So let's get one of these two or three and I'll be happy. Just one of them. I'm Look, I can be an irrational Yankee fan and I am an irrational Yankee fan, but I'm also no. realistic when it comes to pitching where I'll sit back and go, it would be great if we could make a move and maybe sign two of these guys, but I'll just take one. And I've, I've had this, this philosophy of just take one like I said, for the last five or six years, and we've literally taken none. Garrett Cole is the only move we've made. That's it. We made one move in the last few seasons, and I'm not upset about Garrett Cole, don't get me wrong. But if we had done that every single year over the last couple of years, we'd be in pretty damn good shape. We'd have a great team. And unfortunately, as far as I'm concerned, we have a decent team that's going to hit a lot of home runs. We're going to score a lot of runs. And we may make the playoffs. But we're not going to do anything in the postseason. And that, to me, is the biggest stain on Brian Cashman's legacy, or it should be. Because if you're a New York Yankee fan and you grew up like I did in the 90s, you expect to be not just win World Series, but be competitive for a World Series championship. It's not realistic every year. But at least within two to three year span, you should be one of the top teams in baseball. We haven't been one of the top teams in baseball in about four years, four or five years, that year that we got screwed by the Astros cheating. That was the last time that we had a World Series caliber team. And outside of that, we've just kind of been going through the motions. Well, and even last, that was kind of a blip on the radar. It was a blip on the radar. We, we, we peaked a lot earlier than we thought we would, or at least I thought I thought we would. And last year, I wanted us to miss the playoffs. I didn't want us to get in the playoffs because I was hoping that enough fandom and enough momentum like New York media would have came down, rained down on Brian Cashman and finally been like, you suck. You need to go. You're terrible. And instead we squeak into the playoffs, which meant absolutely nothing because we didn't belong there. And we got embarrassed in the playoffs. Yeah. It just, it, it, it I, and I honestly, this year I'd be okay if we missed the playoffs because we're not gonna, we're not gonna but I, I feel like that is the only way that we may possibly get some change in New York is if we just completely bottom out and we miss the playoffs. I can live with a miserable season if it means that in the future we'll actually get some momentum in making the right decisions in, from the front office. Carlos Rodon signed with the San Francisco Giants. He had a 2.37 ERA last year. I know. That was actually a massive signing. That was a really good move by the Giants. Yeah. I know he was a little dinged up toward the end of the year, and there were some injury concerns. But, I mean, you take a guy like that at that age, no doubt. Uh, yeah. So, one last Yankees question before we move on from this. Do you think there is a world in which – so, Stanton has had a nice comeback, finally, right? Yeah, last year. Yeah, he played really well. Do you think that they could put him in a glass case this year just get him out there DHing, keep him healthy, and trade him and get off of that contract. Because there's enough on this roster that you wouldn't even miss him. Even though I like Stanton. I like him now. I didn't like him before. This past season he grew on me. I would actually think the more of the the 
the better move is you trade you trade judge and you keep staying because I just don't think you're gonna get you're gonna get off of that contract, man. I that contract is an albatross. It really is around the neck of, of the Yankees. And and when they made that move, it blew my I was pissed when they made the move years ago because I went, yeah. what are you doing? We've been what talking about it for years. Yeah, what are you doing? Why are you signing this guy? Like I'm not saying he's not a superstar and he's not, you know, great home run hitter, but what are we doing? We have Aaron Judge. At the time it was we have Aaron Judge. Why do we need him? It's like, oh, we got the Bash Brothers. Well, that's great. You have a cheap Bash Brother, and then a Bash Brother you're going to be paying until he's like 90 years old and he can't hit home runs anymore. Because that's what's going to end up happening is eventually we're going to be paying this guy 30 whatever it is, million dollars a year to sit on the bench because he's going to be injured all the time, even more than he already has been. Um, I don't know. You just told me Nelson Cruz isn't too old. Nelson Cruz is not injury-riddled like, like Giancarlo Stan. Yeah. So I I think if we could trade him, yes, I would do that in a heartbeat. But I honestly think Judge is probably the play Uh, just because, I mean, he's up. This is finally his contract, I believe. And uh, you can definitely you can move off of that. That's going to be one heck of a podcast. What if he if Judge gets traded? traded? Yeah. It's just going to be me handing you tissues on the side of the frame. I love Judge, man. I do. He's my favorite. He's been my favorite player since Jeter. So I, I love him. He's the face of the franchise. But at this point, we need pitching, man. And I'm willing to get rid of him if it means that we can get some pitching. We might have to bring Commissioner Russo on if that, gets, if that happens. Okay. Cons- console the two Yankees fans in my life at the same time. It'll be, it'll be hilarious. I really wish I really wish the Sox had done literally anything. I know we, the Yankee, you had way more to be upset about than I did in our, in our uh, first name basis segment here. Um, but the Sox literally standing pat and doing absolutely nothing at all, nothing at all, except just letting Schwarber go, which I was fine with because I didn't think we should pay him. Right. You know, unless, unless there are some prospects coming up this year that are going to make an actual impact, which We'll see. We do have some guys in the farm system that I'm excited about. That's a conversation for another episode. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything else before we close it out? No way, man. All right, let's do it. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Baseball Takeover Podcast brought to you by the Takeover Sports Network. Please be sure to give this video a like and subscribe to the Takeover Sports Network YouTube channel. And while you're there, don't forget to check out all the other great shows from the network, including the SEC Takeover, College Basketball Takeover, the Big 12 Takeover, the Draft Takeover, and the Big 10 Takeover Podcast. You can also find this show and all the others that I just listed from the network anywhere you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to give this show a follow on Twitter. We are at MLB Takeover. You can also find Matt. It's at Matthew Daniel. And myself is at Chris underscore LaValle underscore on Twitter as well. And that's it. That's all we have for you. On behalf of Matt, I'm Chris, and we'll see you all again next week.